and welcome to Life Lessons from a Total Failure, the podcast, a show that shares stories from passionate people living life on their own terms, and one that reminds us how life's failures and struggles are just the plot twists needed in our own personal stories to help us get to where we were meant to be. I'm your host, MJ Doherty. All right. Well, welcome. Life Lessons from a Total Failure, the podcast is back. It's been a while, I know, I'm sorry, but things have been busy and great. I haven't had the time to get this all set up and have people over, but we're back. And I saved the the best for the premiere of this season. So for season two, the first person we have, well, most of you guys will know him as Walter White Jr. or Flynn. I know him as my friend, RJ Mitty. So RJ, thank um, you for coming. Oh, thanks for having me. Of course. So yeah, RJ's a pretty busy guy. And He's all over the place uh, in continents. Uh, you never know where he's going to be. Um, but uh, luckily, I got to pin you down, and we got you in today. So I'm so Done. glad you're here. So you're someone that most people know. I mean, let's face it, Breaking Bad is one of the best and biggest shows that have ever happened on TV. So don't need a lot of introduction about your career, but I bet you people will be interested to in know who little RJ was, your backstory, and from someone who has seen you speak at one of your various venues, you usually do go a bit into your past and tell about who little RJ was, and it's pretty fascinating, it's pretty cool, so I'm going to let you start by giving a little bio of who you are, and uh, yeah, tell us about RJ. Yeah, who who little RJ is? Who is little RJ? <laughs> um, yeah, no, so I, uh, I grew up between uh, Louisiana and Texas, I spent a lot of time uh, traveling between the both both my parents divorced when I was fairly young uh, and I kept a really strong relationship with my grandparents uh, I was diagnosed at three with cerebral palsy um, you know but for the people that don't know cerebral palsy uh, can be caused from a number of things it's most commonly caused in childbirth from lack of oxygen to the brain affecting the fine gross motor skills and hand-eye coordination and all kinds of things and uh wasn't diagnosed until I was three though and then from there years of physical therapy and occupational therapy and speech therapy and kind of just living my life and then somehow uh, my sister got cast out out of a water park and yeah, I've heard the story for so basically you were at a water park and someone saw your sister and was like yeah. hey come to Hollywood yeah well I mean kind of it, it was more or less this agent was like I'm I'm actually casting for a Luso Ball campaign. And she was uh she was like, We would love to use your daughter in this campaign. She's perfect. She's what we've been looking for and we're for kind of Lucille like, Ball? For Luso Ball because she is she's bright. a fiery redhead. Exactly. Right. And exactly. If, if you knew his sister, she is a fiery redhead. Yeah, she's a fiery redhead. <laughs> she's trouble. She's a lot of trouble. But uh but we're like, yeah, we're a little reluctant, but we're like, we haven't been on vacation in a minute. My mom was kind of sick at the time. And um, we're like, well, let's let's go do this. It's a free trip to Los Angeles. Why Why not? Why turn it down? Why turn it down? You see, they're paying. We're, we're going to be put up. Wasn't that nice, but. Anyway, How nice. And yeah. who knew what would happen? Uh, who knew? Uh, but, um, but, yeah, during that period, we were here. We were in Los Angeles. Um she was looking for agents. I happened to be with her when we were looking for her an agent. I was around 12, 13, and the agent was like, "Well, would you like to? Would you like to audition?" And I'm like, "Yeah, why not? I don't know. If if you move to LA and you don't go to school, you don't join a gang and you don't act, 
You got no business. Why are you like, in LA? Right? Why are you in exactly. LA? Exactly. <laughs> so uh, we don't recommend joining a gang, though. I, I <laughs> just mean, just gonna put that out there. This is our the more you know moment. Don't join a gang. I mean, more friends. <laughs> I mean, hey, lifelong homies, right? I, I, I technically did join a gang. It's called SAG AFTRA. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm one of them too. All right, that's Sub, yeah, homie. Yeah. But we have to, we have to pay for our gang. <laughs> Yeah, I think, I think <laughs> everyone pays to be in a gang. That is true. Okay, this point. is an aside that we're going to wrap up. <laughs> All, right, going so back. All right, so anyway. So, yeah, so didn't really know anyone. Got out here to meet, just started doing it to meet kids my own age. I uh, was working on um, Hannah Montana, Everybody Hates Chris, Weed, Seventh Heaven, Drove It Taylor, a bunch of shows and movies as an extra, actually, in the in the beginning of um, my career. and And that's kind of what elevated me and, and got me into acting was starting to do that well and, and i'm gonna pause you right there because i've said this many times with other actors on the show and i've talked about this in my book i love that you said that you were an extra and it elevated you because people really look down on people doing this stuff but yeah. it's a great way to get free education it's and it's a good way to jump in there and free, kind of they pay you <laughs> they pay you to just kind of stand there and watch and learn and yeah. and it, it's something it's it's really like being a paid intern yep and it, it's it's a pretty cool thing so you you were okay with doing the extras. Yeah. You you kind of like you you liked it. I loved it. Did you I, know that like, by being an extra? Did you know like this is what I want to do? I still like I miss Louisiana. I don't I don't go that oh, far anymore. Texas. I don't miss none of these states. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm I'm I'm, re- I'm ready to hit Mars. There, uh, there's oh, he's, there's you're there's ready to go farther. Ships. I'm terraforming <laughs> that. I'm all about the terraforming of Mars. And um, that's that's on the next episode. Next episode. <laughs> all right. RJ, so RJ RJ goes to Mars. Exclusive here. So. You you did uh, background and, yes and it was going well for you you, did, you didn't hate it loved right? you it. loved it and then how long were you in that before you got the next step six months six months okay <laughs> yeah but you're still no. you're young I mean yeah I'm, I'm I'll be twenty seven so were you going to school or, or were you just what, what I was, was in school I was um I was I was twelve thirteen so I was my the school that I went to. Was part of the PACE program. Okay. It was a self-pace, self-teach system through a schooling system. Okay. So I could travel back and forth. And at the time, my travel was kind of already there with my grandparents and both being sick in separate states. Right. And not really having uh, anyone other than me and my mother uh, to kind of be there. So the school was already lenient on my travel and right. kind of knew our position with my mom being sick. Yeah, and, and your life was, needed it. So yeah, so yeah. I, I started working at a young age um, in in all that realm, but um, but from acting was a way for me to get schooling. Right. So when you're an extra and you're a child, you have to have schooling. There's a mandatory school set. So I had. A teacher on set that would that would educate me and would work with my my existing schooling connected to the school I was at to LA schooling, which was the set. And then eventually, about six months later, I landed Breaking Bad. I started auditioning. I auditioned five times for that show: four in Los Angeles, and once in New Mexico. And uh, that that really set my career. And then through that, I had private teacher that would work with my school and. and then after that, I graduated, went to, applied to community college, kind of did that and realized I don't really have 
time right. to to continue my education when I have like a career. I mean, a career. most people go to college to get a career, but yeah. you kind of did it opposite. Like you already had a career. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's there's it's a double edged sword doing it that way. But right. um, but I had to make a decision on do I continue my my businesses in my path or do I stop those paths and go to school? And luckily for me, I was able to continue and I had the know how and knowledge to be able to say. This is how you run a business. This is how you open a 501c3. This is how you run a nonprofit. This is how you make these these aspects and, and, and C-Corps and S-Corps and all these things. And through working, I gained my education. Right. And, you know, I'm, I'm a huge advocate for education. And I'm, but I'm also the first one to say that, you know, if college isn't, makes, it doesn't make sense for you, then that's okay. It's okay. And you can do other things that make sense for you and yeah. what are good for your life. And, you know, maybe you're... 55 and retired because you've done so well well, and then you want to go to school go for it that's that's where i'm at (laughs) you got to do what's right for you and what makes sense in your life and obviously you had this experience and you had this job when you were 14 is when you started bringing bad 13 13 okay so that 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 altered the course of your life so dramatically that it, you know you didn't follow the same path as other people, well, which is okay. It's that career choice. It's that you you either you go to school to form your career path, or your career finds you, and you have to continue that path. And luckily for me, I had the ability to to see that path. Yeah, and and I took that path, and luckily it's it's taken me now on a on a fifteen year almost yeah. career now. And um, it's it's just. It's really good, and I think I like to reiterate this this kind of thought that education is so important, but education does not mean you have to go to university yeah. and get a degree. Yes, I have one, and I'm so glad I have one. However, my career yeah. came from what I did in my life and what I learned through my life experience and and that's why I have what I have today well, people people have a misunderstanding of misunderstanding of education i mean you can be book literate but that doesn't make you actually literate right like, there's a lot of people that that have the concept of science but it's, it's do they actually understand science right and i find for me my my knowledge came from doing and actions and and i read i i always read i'm always reading things but as a whole you have to be able to be be both the subject and the observator to, to gain that knowledge and school provides a balance of that you right. have your teacher and you have your student and if you and if you're not able to recognize those two things um in 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 what you do and as your job being a teacher and as you still being a student and learning through these processes you don't form your education school gives you that ability to incorporate that everyday learning into your everyday life right and, but if you innately have that and you can recognize it, you you can maintain without having that that higher education. And without that structure, you can without do it on your structure. own. Yeah. And I think that's just, you know, I, I'm a big, again, I'm a huge advocate of education. But I always say that education yeah. is about doing what makes you grow and learn and, and, and expand mm-hmm. what, and whatever that's right for you. Uh, you know, I wish, if looking back, I wish I didn't go from high school right to college. I was so not ready for that. But I did, and I got lots of debt, and yay. You know, but it's 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 just important to always recognize learning and, and yeah. growing and moving on. All right. 
so off the education tangent, which I'm glad we went down because, you know, for someone like you who's pretty successful and you're a very smart guy, most people yeah. probably don't realize that you're a smart dude. And you, uh, yeah, oh, what's that? <laughs> we don't like to let that alter you like go out. Tell people um, that. We, you know, it's, it's good to know that you recognize that, you know, education and, and learning is important, but you do it what's right for you. Yeah. Um, okay, so you go through five auditions with Breaking Bad. Did you have any idea at that age that this experience was going to completely change your life? No. No. no, you know, you, you can't, you can, you can take these jobs and you can go and you can do all the auditions and you can film the pilot, but it doesn't mean it's good. Right. <laughs> it doesn't mean it's going to work gonna out. Last. Right. It doesn't or, mean it's going like, to last. Like we don't, we, we didn't know. And then I, I sure as hell didn't know. Yeah. Um, but, but we're very thankful for it. I think the whole cast and everyone that was a part of it is thankful for it because it created so many careers for so many different people. Yeah. And it allowed so many, um, avenues for, for me in particular, but, but for the whole, for the whole cast, for the whole crew. And, it allowed a um, a new view on television. You know, Breaking Bad changed television. Breaking Bad changed how people view in the standard of TV. Yeah. And bridge that gap of movie quality television. Well, it raised the bar. Did it raise the bar though? Uh, it did. I mean, I, it, it did. Because the thing is, it was it was it was done well and was so smart and it was um, so intricate that. Yeah. It ex- people then demanded more like that. Yeah. So it's funny because they'll refer to like the golden the golden age of television yeah. from like the fifties or sixties, but it really isn't. I mean, we all know now that television now well, is well, really history unbelievable. repeats itself. If you, if you look at any aspect of of history that was able to be archived, and you look at history now, it folds in on itself. Oh, of course, it has the same yeah, yeah. it has the same formula. And and we did have the go we did have a golden age of, of television, but we went through a golden age of media, mm-hmm. which was newspapers. Then we went to Hollywood, movies, right? Hollywood. Then we went to TV. Then we went back to press. Yeah. And now we have multiple things, and we have social media. Right. We don't just have media anymore. We have social media. We have media. We have television. We have movies, and then we have um. Streaming. Independent and, uh, streaming, uh, yep, and independent. Yeah, yeah. It, it's just it's really interesting because I feel like Breaking Bad was one of the. I, I'm going to go back and say it, it probably started with HBO originals, like yeah. you know The Sopranos and Oz, and they kind of like lifted the bar. But that was yeah, you had to pay for those. Yeah, even though A and E was cable, AMC or AMC, sorry, yeah. um, was cable. It was still like, well, I think more. It wasn't that extra premium channel. Yeah. And that kind of quality that they brought, everybody, it was one of the big cable shows that people well, were like, oh my God, it wasn't like, just what Breaking Bad. It was, it was Mad Men. It was Breaking Bad. And right. then it was, was at um, the same time I was Breaking Bad first. Helen Wills. Mad Men, Mad Men was the first one. Was Mad, it? Okay. Mad Men was first, then, uh, then Breaking Bad, and then Helen Wills, Walking Dead, and, and okay. all of the other shows that, that ensued after. But, but really, Mad Men uh, pioneered that, that type of. That type of cinematic television. Which is funny because I love Mad Men, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But I would have thought Breaking Bad was before that. Because Breaking Bad just really did but, kind of... It was the one above all the others. But Breaking Bad and Mad Men were two vastly different shows. Yeah. In vastly different contents. In vastly different times. And, and even period Oh, yeah. Pieces. Stylistically. Stylistically. And, uh, yeah. 
when it came to costuming and everything, Mammon, Mammon so sword cool. always oh, yeah. in costuming, always awards, always that. But for us, we always had the cinematic aspect. Right. We had an amazing DP, an amazing director. So did cross pollination with Mammon, but because of I think the innate beauty of what we did with New Mexico, right, allowed that to engulf and create an immersive environment. Yeah. And I think that was our our next step on top of on top of that era of of what AMC was doing. So when Breaking Bad got picked up and it started, when did you first realize, okay, I'm a part of something that is bigger than a, just a TV show? I mean, I think when we got picked up for the first season, I mean, we're like, yes, we got, we got a year, we right. got, we got a check coming in. This is nice. <laughs> this is good. And I think, I think that was kind of the name of the game. And then we just kept riding the ride, and we realized when we looked up, we're like, oh, this is a big wave. <laughs> like, you know, when you're when you're when you're surfing or when you're when you're driving or you're in a storm or whatever it is, and you're going and you're pushing forward. You're not really looking back, right? And and that's kind of what we were doing with with Breaking Bad. We weren't really looking You're back. Ahead. We're focused ahead, and yeah. we keep pushing forward ahead. And I think after the show ended, we all looked back and we we, we saw this this tsunami. <laughs> You're like, oh man! And we're like, man, we wait, we 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 were on that. Yeah. <laughs> wait, you got you got footage of us riding that. So I think that really was the name of the game. All right, so I know there's a lot of people are going to listen to this that are just diehard Breaking Bad fa- Breaking Bad fans, and I hate to tell everybody this, I didn't watch Breaking Bad, and here's I why: I didn't watch, I it, didn't really watch it because I met RJ first. <laughs> I can't watch television shows where I know someone on it. It just it's just weird for me, and I so I watched the pilot and I was like, wow, this is really cool. But then I was just like, eh, I can't watch a show with yeah. someone I know in it. So I didn't I didn't watch it, but I'm not dumb i lived in this country for my whole life and i've heard so much about it and i've read about it and blah 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 but so for the fans that love the show i'm going to ask some yeah. questions tell me a couple things that you loved about your character like what were things that you loved to play or the, the memories that you had like give me some give me some tips or something that people would love to hear that would make them excited i know there's something about um, cereal because people like come up to you and yeah, talk about cereal yeah, in grocery yeah. stores it's like really odd <laughs> yeah well, well cereal was a big a big thing for all junior breakfast was surrounding always the the characters in my family like that was that was the stem of uh of of where our characters would meet was the breakfast table. Um, yeah, I don't. I. I mean, there's, there's, there's things. There's, there's. Uh... Give me your one best memory of your character. The thing that sticks out that was your favorite part. Uh, I, you know, I, I think, I think really the the first days that I was on set were my were the most surreal days. Okay. And I, I think for me that was my favorite part was kind of those first because like once I got into it I was in it. Right. So like I I didn't really like see the difference of character anymore. Like I didn't see the breakdown. I just kind of did it. And, and in, in the beginning, I was I was more of developing, developing like what what the character was and is. And in in this awe moment of like I'm I'm actually about to speak on camera. <laughs> How scary was so, that? So like, that that's a little scary. That's a little weird. And, and luckily we had a good a, a very good cast of people to to make it a little lighter. I mean, did you know at that point that you were surrounded by like some heavy hitters in the industry? Oh yeah. When when I well at this point 
I was uh, I was an extra on on quite a few big shows, so I knew what big television looked like. Right. I, I knew like I knew this wasn't like some independent. Indie. But it is a big difference from being an extra who is standing there watching and going to walk through the background, and everyone is setting up around you. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, I mean that 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 is a big difference. But at the same time, I there, there's not really a difference because yeah. because you are that that person in that scene. And that yeah, and they're they may not be you may not be being blocked around you, but you are being being blocked, right? And you and you are that if you take that view from it. Um, but it was weird sitting there and just having that free range of like, all right, what what are you doing? And like, oh, I'm, I'm gonna walk here to here. <laughs> like, <laughs> You're like, wait, uh, I'll tell you. Wait, you don't tell me. All right, okay, cool. That's great. <laughs> that was that, that. That's the spot. You yeah. like being the boss. That's good. Yeah, I don't mind. All right, so uh, how about? scene partners uh the people that you got to play opposite yeah. with. who did you get most excited to work with um i i really wanted to work with aaron but uh but that never happened yeah the family the the brian the anna the betsy the dean the the, the family core was always a fun a, a fun and challenging thing to shoot because yeah. you're you're shooting everyone individually and you're doing two shots and three shots and, and wides and, and you're trying to get so much coverage of of the full cast and that was really um really interesting to watch trying to get all the shots in a very small finite amount of time but uh but anna and brian were were a blast to work with and 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 betsy and and dean i always liked when dean was on set dean dean was dean was something like something to watch yeah (laughs) he was funny man and, and Giancarlo, I actually, I actually, out of everyone that I'm closest with on the show, Giancarlo Esposito and um, Louis, Louis and uh, Daniel Mancada, who played the uh, the gangsters with the silver fire axe, are, are actually the closest people I have to the set. Really? Yeah. Why am I not surprised? Actually, I'm like, oh, you're friends with the people who play the gangsters. Oh, that makes, I have that no makes idea. so much sense in my mind. I don't know. <laughs> no idea why. Uh, there's so many people that kind of, you know, want more than anything to have a role or be part of, of something that yeah. you got to be a part of. And then people that aren't in the industry look at something like that and think, wow, that must be amazing. Like, that must just be the, the pinnacle of everything. So looking back on this, you were so young when you started this. And this, like you said, the tsunami happened for you very early yeah. on. How is that now to, like, look back and think, okay, this was so amazing. It was such... A blessing but like am i gonna get another one of those or do you want another one of those or was that what nah, it was you for don't. you in time and place and space and then you're ready for something different i mean i like the check that was quite that was <laughs> you ha- like having, a lot more than ha- that having having a having a regular job with an extraordinary people yeah that knew what they were doing that were at the highest level level of of caliber in the industry I love that. I miss that. Um, at the end of the day, that that's over, and we we continue to push forward, and and we grow from these experiences. And you know, I would always love to catch another one of these tsunamis or go back and do something. But at the end of the day, it's it's not that simple, and we yeah. just kind of hopefully we we we're in the right position at the right time to catch the right wave to to elevate us and push us forward and. I mean, you just don't know. You don't know. And I think that's why I asked that question. I think that 
sometimes people think it's like a one and done kind of thing, but no. it's not. Life isn't like that. No. And, and who well, knows? You might be on something in 10 years from now that you're going to be like, whoa, I thought Breaking Bad was a wave. Yeah. You never know. Well, and I, I think the concept is you, you get a job like this and you're set for life. And that's not that's not the case. Right. There, there's, there's so much more to life than just this one aspect of it. And there, there's so much more that comes with the responsibilities of having something like this and having having an obligation to not just your career, but to your community. Mm-hmm. And when you're put into a position as this, you're put into a position of community. Yeah. But you're also put in a, a position that this will live on with you forever. <clears throat> Knowing you, you feel responsibility to always kind of, if someone comes up to you or if you're out and they're, you know, big fans, like you're always so nice and kind about it but like that also means that like for the rest of your life you gotta you, do it you gotta do it you and gotta that's a do lot, it it's a lot of pressure a lot. it's a lot of pressure and and so my question to you is would you want another experience like this or are you ready for something different like do you did you want to have another big huge show or movie or of something course. i think everybody do. does okay. i think everybody wants like a big big show that does well that everyone adores you on like i mean See, like, this is fascinating like, because knowing you like, i didn't know the answer to that because like, i mean you're a very quiet guy and you but, like your privacy but you like the other side of it too i i like what i was able to do on breaking bad right and and what came from the show and, and what the abilities that the show gave me and and reach that the show gave me i really like yeah because you can have impact with that and you do i mean you do so much i mean uh, so if people don't know who uh, are listening he yeah. um has a foundation that he runs that's um, based out of texas yep. um but he also does like this year you're in the rose parade uh, yeah. and you're uh with the shriners right I I mean, do, I you do. get to be you yeah. do. and i mean i've seen him speak in, at a college before and he goes all, all over the place and talks to people about how to deal with life and make way and and yeah. you know just be, be who you are and that's all because of what yeah. happened with this so that is it is amazing but it is it is a lot i just don't think people realize How much it is. I think now we're in a very different time because of social media, because of the ability that people have, how many fans people have now. You don't need a show like Breaking Bad to have numbers. You don't need to to do these types of things or to have this type of talent to do this. You You can create these numbers by your own individual talents. And I think that's where the market has changed. And that's where... It's a little different in the community now of, of, of impact, of, of actual impact, of artificial impact. Perceived impact. Perceived and then impact, real impact. And real impact. And, and luckily, you see a lot of impact. And like it, it's nice, but for me, I don't actually see a lot of impact. I see a lot of perceived impact. Right. And what Breaking Bad gave me was actual impact. Yeah. And I'm not saying that it's like, oh, what I have, no one else has. A lot of people have this. And a lot of people do make impact in, in their own individual ways, but not in a global way. Right. And, and Breaking Bad was a global impact, like what it did for American history, what it did for the television community, what it did for, for so many different aspects of, of people in a time. You know, Breaking Bad was also during our recession. Right. We survived the writer's strike. We survived so many aspects of what our citizens and our world was going through that it allowed and elevated people in a different mindset. And I think having that and allowing 
something like that to, to really to, to be in your life is truly remarkable. For sure. And to piggyback on that, when people hear you and get to see what you're doing, it resonates with them more because they... We're all trying to achieve the same goal. Well, <laughs> like, yeah, and, but they, that they see how you have had this thing in your life and now you have chosen to use use your fame and use the, what you've had to choices. do something better. Right. Choices, choices are key. The choices are key. You know, people people say I can't do something. There's so many times where people are like, I can't do this or I can't do that. All right. I'm I'm not able to. And you know, you may not be in that moment, but again, it's a choice. You have to make that decision. You have to be like, hey, I'm I'm going to do this. I'm going to change my life. And I think more often than not. We, we forget that. Right. And we forget that we have a choice in this. And we got to make that step. And the biggest part of making that step is making the step. Making the step. You know, <laughs> That's it. I That's talk it. about this all the time. Like, it, it's just, just do it. I mean, if you just do something, you'll, you're never, yeah. most of the time, you're not going to regret it. No. I mean, and, and then, but most of the time I do. <laughs> but, no, you but it's okay. It's okay to regret things. Right. Like, like the biggest, like, I have some of the most tremendous regrets, like, ever. Like, life changing regrets, like, decisions that could have possibly ended a life or saved a life. And, right. and you know, those, those decisions, though, are okay for better or for worse because well, you learn from them you learn from them right and you know you may not always like them yeah but, but they have, have to, for a reason they have them for a reason and you have to you live with them. them and you gotta learn from them you gotta and learn from them yeah. and i'm i'm a my whole brand is built on regret yeah. i mean i mean it's like i talk about how much i screwed up my life but what else was i going to do after yeah. i made all these mistakes i had to look at them learn from them and make sure that when I'm going forward, uh, yeah, I may make the same mistakes again, but if I really kind of understand where I've been, it'll make me uh, have an easier time to where I'm going. Correct. All right. So we talked a lot about your past. Let's talk about the present and the future. So I obviously know you always have stuff going on and you're a, you do a lot of charity work. Um, You're an advocate for so many who need a voice to stand up for them. And then you're also still acting. So tell me about what the life of RJ today is like. <laughs> He's like um, it's exhausting. It's exhausting, <laughs> darling. Um, no, it um, it's busy. It's good. It's it's we're we're pushing forward. Still, still got cable. <laughs> That's always good. So you can pay the cable bill, right? <laughs> pay the cable bill. We're doing good. So tell um, me about so the charities that you work with. Which ones yeah, do you work so, with? What do you do? So uh, so I work with Charity Hospital for Children, United Travel Palsy, Runway of Dreams, March Dimes, um, numerous different ones globally. Uh, I just recently started uh, being more uh, prominent in my family foundation based in Austin, Texas, and we right. focus in Brownsville. Uh, but uh, I do a lot of fundraising and different charity work. I was just doing a a fundraiser where we we raised quite a bit we raised quite a bit of money uh for the organization i just did one charity event for uh fortnight oh the, yeah uh the pro uh oh the game. kid won six million dollars uh no three three but, um, oh three well no. still i don't think his parents were ever gonna yell at him for playing video games oh again. my god three million dollars that sounds awesome. i saw that he won his 
purse was more than the winner of Wimbledon. Yeah. Okay, so next time you tell your kid that he's wasting his life playing yeah. video games, eh. <laughs> I mean, they, well, it was $30 million in total winnings. Like, <sighs> And so our event, uh, it was a million-dollar prize for first place, and then it slowly went out. But there was a... Um, there was a flat fee that everyone got, but half of that fee uh, is split between us and the charity, and what we take in is split between me and the professional gamer. Okay. And um, and it did good. I think the, the, the tournament probably raised about a million, maybe more, in the charity. Amazing. They probably raised, in the whole event, a couple million to charity. And, and people just play numerous. video games? They play yeah. Fortnite? Fortnite. That's that's Epic really... Games, yeah, they're slaying it. They're 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 donating a bunch of money to charity. Um, so so I do numerous different events, different different aspects, different and then you points, and, and then you also speak. You go, you always, you're always somewhere speaking. Someone's speaking. What do you what do you usually talk about? Um, I talk on advocacy, stepping out of a realm of comfort, diversity in the arts and media, um, overcoming adversity. You know, everyone everyone has their own adversity. Like yeah. everyone's like, oh, I, I, I'm fighting this battle. Or I'm fighting this battle. Well, everyone's fighting a battle. Right. Everyone has their own aspect. It's, it's how do you handle your adversity? How do you, how do you recognize it? How do you f- confront it? And how do you handle it? And how do you maintain it? Because it will always live with you. But that's part of your community. That's part right. of what brings you into this gap of your humanity. Um, well, it's funny because you talk about that. You talk about how you deal with adversity and i talk to people about how to be an advocate for people who are dealing with adversity and we're all dealing with it so yeah. if we can all understand our own issues and understand how to help others by being an advocate what a world we would live in oh it would what be world. beautiful well sunshines and rainbows if, if you could butterflies. if you could recognize someone so when i look at people i can i luckily because of my acting i read emotion yeah my, my job is to read your emotion and to react to your emotion so for me as an advocate and for me as someone that, that is willing to step into someone's someone's realm and step out of my realm of comfort, I'm, I'm willing to ask someone if they're okay, if I can tell they're in distress. Right. And, you know, it's very easy to see people in distress. Yeah. It's easy. You see in their eyes. You see it in their mouth. You see it in their posture. And as that grows... Their posture, their their stress, that that grows, right? And, and it's predominantly, amplified. it's amplified yeah. to to the outside individual, and that will also limit their ability to either get outreach or have people reach out to them. Yeah, and that's where we have a big issue: is that not enough people are uh, stepping out of that realm of comfort when it truly matters. Right? They wait till oh my god, there's a fight. Let's record this. Or oh my god, they killed themselves. Or oh yeah. my god, this happened. But I think the biggest thing is is we need to get to these individuals when you see the first signs of distress. When you when you've been like, yeah, he's been super sad. It's kind of been really bothering me lately, but I haven't really talked to him in like 2 right. weeks. And that's and, crazy, and right? Then, and then they die. So and it's like, oh my god, I live with this regret. Yeah, and I and I talk to people all the time when I go to high schools or colleges, especially if they're younger, um, you know, freshmen or uh, sophomores at college, I talk about like the issues that plague this generation the most. And I always say there's the the three S's and it's like self-acceptance, social media and suicide. Yeah. Because first of all, they're all connected very, very closely. They're They're rooted. Yeah. But the time to worry about someone is not when they say they're suicidal. It's way before that. Cause someone who's really suicidal isn't going to say it. They're just going to do it. 
So you have to be able to look at people and see something's wrong and you have to know how to be an advocate for them. I'm not asking people to go get psychology degrees. Just look at people, listen, appreciate, say that you're there for them, tell someone else what to do and give them, give them a light to show them where they need to go to get help. And it's so important because there's just so many people. Well, but people don't want to go and get help. They want to self-treat. They want to self-medicate. They want these all. I can do it independently. I can handle my own weight. And that's where we need to figure out how do we, how do we help them? How do we help these individuals set aside that weight and be like, hey, look, you have an option. Like, you may feel this way. You may feel this doubt, but this is not the only way. This is not the only doubt. And I, and I, I really believe from my experience and what I've seen, what I've learned, it's when someone has taken time, yes, and, and, spent time on that person and let that person know they care, they'll listen. But they have to understand that people that are in pain and that are suffering, they have to understand that someone is actually there. And that doesn't mean, you know, picking up the phone every five minutes that they call. It means being like, listen, I'm telling you, I'm listening to you. I'm, I'm appreciating where you're at. Like I'm telling you, I'm here for you, but like, you got to do it too. I'll help you help yourself. Correct. And that is a very important thing. And it's something that I think that more people need to talk about. And someone yeah. like you can bring it to like a huge, well, yeah, I might well, bring it I, to a minor stage, but you could bring it to I a major to, stage. When I, when I go, I've talked to uh, elementary, to university, to Oxford Union, to first grade kindergarten yeah. class of somewhere no one ever heard of. And. You know, I, I I get more results with the younger kids when I'm talking and I'm talking about stepping out of the realm of comfort. And I start talking these things and I ask them, I'm like, has anyone ever, specifically in, in specific settings, has everyone ever been suicidal? Has anyone had this? I have anywhere from nine-year-olds say, yeah, yeah. I thought about self-harm. I thought about killing myself. I'm a burden to my parents. It's horrifying, isn't it? And it's like, no. you're like... You're nine. <laughs> like, you're nine. You're, you should you shouldn't feel like you're a burden to anyone. You have you have a whole life ahead. Of you no one no one taught you. No one gave you the tools to realize like you have a life. You're not a burden. If you don't want to do this, grow this way. Right. And that's what we have to. That's what we have to accomplish is get to the youth and be like, hey, you're an asset. You have skill. You have talent. You're not a burden. Your parents don't think you're a burden. Your friends don't think you're a burden. You may not have money. You may not even have friends. You may not have the time. You may have all the responsibilities in the world. But guess what? There's nothing in this world that we can't handle. Right. That's the human ability is to adapt, and, to overcome. And everything changes. Everything changes. It's right now, it's a blip in the radar yeah. of what your life can be. But you have to live that life you to have get to. there. And I was just telling someone who's known me for years the other day that when I was in middle school, I literally didn't have a friend. I sat by myself. People, you know, kids are very clever. They called me M gay. <laughs> Real nice M gay. A big fat M gay who transferred to a public school. They call you M gay too. Uh, yeah, yeah, I knew. I like, didn't want to tell you that. I was like, oh, great. He's going to call me that now. Um, it's going to be like, I'm going to call. I'm going to see his phone. It's going to flash. and say M gay. <laughs> anyway. Um, but, you know, when I was in middle school, I was so. I thought I was the most horrible, worst, terrible person in the whole world. I had no friends. It was, it was, just, it was a horrible time. But then. Something in my brain was like, you know, I'm going to high school. I want to change some things. I'm going to try to just 
try to just be me a yeah. little bit more, but also try to do what I needed to do to get by. And and my life changed. And it wasn't, I'm not saying that it changed for like the best and who I became in high school is who I am today because it is not. But yeah. I realized that, you know, when you're in whatever your situation is, it's temporary. Things can always change. And that's what people that are suffering. But you have to realize. choose to. You have to choose to. You have to make the the. The, the plan and the decision. And for me, it was, I remember in eighth grade, summer of eighth grade, going to ninth grade, it was like, I don't want to be a loser anymore. Like, yeah. I don't want to sit by myself. I like people. I like to talk. How do I do this? I like, what friends. do I do? Yeah. I want friends. And I actually made a plan. And my plan was be nice to all the girls so the girls like me first. And then if the girls are all nice to me, then the guys will be nice to me. And it worked. <laughs> it was it was a, it was something I needed to do because I wanted to change. You had to, though. You had to make that plan. You had to say, look, I want to change my life. I want my friends. I want these people. I want people in my life. Yeah. And you know what's funny, though, is that we, we all want that. But we actually don't want that. We're like, we we don't want to bring people into our mess. We don't want to bring people into our down. I'm a downer. I'm this. I'm this. I'm all these things that, that we, we say to ourselves. And people forget that it's like, no one is actually saying these things about you. Right. You have them in your head. You're doing it yourself. <laughs> You're doing it yeah. yourself. You're creating these Mo- monsters. And most of the time, you know, people really, that that is the biggest issue is you build these things up in your yeah. head to be these huge obstacles that they're not they're not and if you just switch that thinking it, it can really well, help but a, a lot of times you need someone to clue you in on that distract you it's a or distraction yeah it's i mean a distraction for sure i i found where most of my my things were able to set aside was i was too busy focused on x to focus on the menial aspect of of whatever it was that was that, that I felt burdened by or that I felt weakened by or that I felt that I had an obligation to when really my, my needs, and this goes into needs outweighing your wants. Right. You can want things, but do you need those things? And is if you're getting everything you want and you're constantly building this aspect of want, you find yourself in desperation and you find yourself wanting more. Right. And that, that wanting in itself cannot just be, I'm not talking material. I'm talking, I'm talking spiritual. I'm talking people. I'm talking just aspirations. When you haven't been able to meet that want, but your want has grown beyond your need. And that's where I find we have a big issue is you need to realize your need. Right. Your need will never be as big as your want. Right. right. Your your yeah. Your need will never be as big as your want. Exactly. But your need will always be your need, and you will always have that need. And this is why I find social media to be so scary for, especially for younger people. And listen, a lot of adults fall into yeah. this too. But they see these things, and their want becomes so huge because they want all these things that they think are real, which are not real. real. It's all fake, and. They are so focused on that, they don't realize that the things that they need, they may actually have. Yeah. They may have two or three really great friends, and they may have families they love, but they're looking at all this stuff that they want, that they think is real, that isn't, and they let that overshadow it. They see the cars, and they see the models, and they see all these pretty things and pretty people, and they see that that they have them, and that this is what they do to get those things, and then they don't realize that they actually have to return those things on monday right or their credit card just got declined because they're over their limit or (laughs) or all that cash you see sitting on their bed is literally 
all the cash in a loan that they have and they have to return that. Right. It's it's crazy. And I I always say this. I say, you know, social media is basically what you put. What you put on social media is what you want people to be jealous about about your life. Like, people are just like, oh, I want to post a picture. So people are like, oh, my God, your life looks so great. You don't. That's all it is. It's it's crazy. It's an opinion. It's not a fact. Yeah, and and I mean, we live in a world where part of our job is supposed to be like social media, and I'm terrible yeah. at it. Mm. You're not the best either. Like you don't love it either because it's just it's just. Uh, well, I have a hard with con- I have a hard time with contrivity, like when 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 we're dealing in the world of of artificial um, perception, and it's it's my job is to create truths and characters right like i like to i like to create a character i like to create a person a, a real person right a person that, that exists and when you're dealing with social media your job isn't to create a real identity your job is to create a persona a persona i hate persona and <laughs> I, I i agree and i find it so difficult i don't want you to know what i eat for breakfast because who gives a crap well, i don't want to wait, like, wait, wait, wait this is the thing is i don't want to wake up three hours early to make or go buy uh, a breakfast from somewhere to bring it back home and pretend like you and made pretend it pretend like i made it <laughs> i know right it's just so ridiculous <laughs> and then what i always end up doing is i do pictures of me and my friends or my family <laughs> and then i get told that no one wants to see me taking pictures with all these other people that no one knows no I'm one like, wants but to see my that. life is the things that I enjoy in my life are my friends and my family. So that's me. But that's not the right me that I'm supposed to put out there. Ew. Uh. Ew. Ew. What? Ew. You're just ew. <laughs> <laughs> it's just oh, social media. It just does my head but, in. But that's where I find a big, of, a big doubt in people comes from is they see these aspects of reality that aren't reality. Not and, real. and we're in the golden age of media. This is the golden age of media. We're in the golden age of, of, of social media, of broadcast media, of these aspects of, of life that are, are being shown to you and you're not a part of them. And I find we're about to step out of that age and go back into cinematic um, projects. Good. I'm hoping. Let's hope. I'm hoping. I, I honestly, one day if they're like, oh, they decided to... Cl- end social media it's no good it's outlawed i'd be like thank yes. you god <laughs> like oh my god i can go back to just you know i wish they would make internet hard again like like harder to if everybody in. had to go do that the dial up no one would do it anymore i know you know we're probably the only two people that sit here and be like we hate it <laughs> we sound like like the the guys from the muppets up there like oh look the guys in the stands yeah yeah so pretty much. good yeah, sometimes it's okay to be that way yeah it's all hard. right so before I uh, send you packing, let's hear what what do you got coming up in the future? What what's uh, what do you what do you want for you? Like what do you want to, What do you want to be when you grow up? Oh, I want to be rich. Yeah, well, that's a given. <laughs> no. So no, you know, I, I just I just want a better world. I want where the lakes are clean and the buildings are smaller, and that everyone has energy efficient ability, and that no one needs renewable energy, and that we just live <laughs> okay. in a perfectly world peace, world peace, you know, world peace, right. world peace. Okay, but for you alone, are you are you looking for more acting world roles? Peace. Are you no. going into? <laughs> Um, we know that you have so, some directing aspirations. So yeah, I'm, I'm doing some music videos. Um, I've been helping my little sister with her music. Um, she's 15. And she's great, by and the way. She's, she's, yeah, really she's, she's a good singer. 
Um, but she has a lot of work to do, and we're in the middle of releasing a song for her. Mm-hmm. We'll see how that goes. Cool. Uh, and and I have a couple of. I was on a show called Now Apocalypse on Stars. It went really well. Still going well. People love it, or people don't. It's a. It's definitely an interesting show. You should check it out. Yeah, you seen it. The, the first couple yeah, episodes, I was one, like, "Where is this going?" The I'm one, keep watching the, it. The one show. The one show you have watched. Of mine is, I did watch that one. Yeah, I was like, "Yeah." There's lots of it's skin and sex. Hot. Yeah, it, it it's Hot. like a skin, sex, and aliens. That's it. Skin, sex, and <laughs> it, aliens. It, it, yeah. it is something. There's, no, there's more than skin and sex. There's there's, there's promiscuity. There is promiscuous sex, skin, and aliens. <laughs> <laughs> um. I think I feel like you're getting into the producing world too because you're yeah. always working with projects. I mean, me and you are working on I, stuff, and you're doing, working with other people. Um, and- a lot of advisory. I'm 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 been on on a lot of consulting. I've been getting yeah. more consulting positions. Um, I have a couple of projects. One one with us as well that I'm I'm trying to get produced and and made. Uh, I have a couple of movies this this year that will be coming out. Um, one called Triumph. The other one, I'm trying. They, I don't even think they have a name yet. Okay. But um, but I have some. I have some projects coming out. I have a couple of shows, a couple of movies. Um, really, the last the last year, I've had a lot happen in in my philanthropic life. Yeah. Um, that's kind of been really taking a lot of my time. Um, Take precedence over. Yeah, else. I mean, I just I, it's it's kind of been taking precedence over my rent. i i so so movie has to come soon uh but um but there's a lot coming out uh just check out my social media uh it's all rj midi look for the blue check if you see someone that doesn't have it that's not me that's me. Um, that's, that's me. That's, I'm trying to get him in trouble. Hey, there, there's, there's actually yeah. someone. At that, R.J. Moody. Dude. And, uh, <laughs> R.J. Moody. R.J. Moody. Dude, and, I have yeah. someone, though, right now that's impersonating me. Get out. Yeah. Oh, I, see, I saw that. Yeah, yeah he's, sending, he's sending people, like, money. I'm like, yo, if you're sending anyone money, money it's, it. it's Venmo at, at R.J. Moody. Yeah, at R.J. Moody.com. So I found out recently, this this is hilarious. I have an Insta or a, uh, there's a Twitter at MJ Doherty fans. Ah, there's like three you people. Have, you got a fan base? I was like, I have a fan Twitter oh. with three people in it. I was like, what? Oh, <laughs> I know. I'm such a special boy. It's well, probably your mom. I have probably no. My mom's on Twitter. She probably doesn't follow me. My mom is she's my mom is a diehard like reality star fan. So she follows all the reality people and oh. doesn't have time for my nonsense. Clearly, she, she's like all about that stuff. But um, clearly, all right. So you're a busy guy. I want I don't want yeah. to keep you all day. But before you go, I'm going to ask you a couple questions. Yeah. So, all right. First question. Couple uh, more. Tell me. Tell me. Like, what is your um, dream vacation? Uh, what would that look like no, no people that I don't like. Okay. Um, no one over the octave of six. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he he lives in a very loud household, so I have a he loud, really quiet, loud <laughs> environment. Uh, no, a boat somewhere tropical, oh, somewhere nice. seas calm, that somewhere we can get fish and water. Gotta love fish. Gotta water love fish too. Water. So then, my next question is: it sushi or tacos? What do you prefer? Same thing. Sushi? Same thing. <laughs> same thing. Same thing. You never had a sushi taco? Oh, oh, a sushi taco. Oh, yeah, I have. Bomb. Yeah, they're good. Oh, they're Bomb. really good. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. good. All right, and the most important 
question for me, and I feel like you only have one right answer for this. What is your favorite theme song? There's only one right answer? Yeah. <laughs> if you don't say Breaking Bad, I think oh. people are going to roll best. Oh. Other I, than I, Breaking wait, Bad, wait, wait, wait. what is your favorite theme song? Mash. That is a great the one. Best theme that song is a good ever. one. It's going forever. You know that that um, set burned down, or that where they, yeah, they, they burned down in the fires. I know it sucks. It sucks. It's all good. I got. I actually uh, shot a music video. I I um, helped produce there. I I, I got went to there see it. when I was I don't know maybe like my third or fourth year in uh, L.A. I like found the place and like trekked all up there. Yeah. It was. I mean, Mash By the way, is a classic. Mash, Mash is the best. Best, but I, I wonder actually how many people know the theme song to Mash. Well, it's it's don't instrument. say it. Okay, well, no, it's not, it's a song. Yeah, but they the the um the instrumental they did the song. instrumental for the for the for the well, show. I'm yeah. curious how many people are going to look up. Well, you will they'll hear it if I don't know if YouTube will probably take it out, but if they're just listening to it on um uh like uh, Apple or you're gonna play it. I always put the you so put apparently the RJ has you never listened to my podcast because I've at the end of every I podcast. never watched your show. You never listen to my podcast. Yeah, or even. Um, at the end of every episode, I put whatever you picked as the outgoing uh, music. So. Oh, yes. Hey, that because it's instrumental, you'll be able to play it. All right. Well, then yeah. we'll be playing Leaving You With Mash. And RJ, thank you so much for taking the time and coming. I really appreciate it. And uh, don't forget, follow him at RJ Mitty. Send money at RJMittyBedmo.com. All right. Bye. Hey, Roy Mitty. No. <laughs> Roy Mitty. At Roy Mitty. Just kidding. At Roy Mitty. Bye. Hey, Roy Mitty. I, hey, check, check. DM me if you uh, want to know. <laughs> bye. And if you enjoyed our podcast today, make sure to hit subscribe and rate, review us, and follow along on social media at LLTF the podcast. I absolutely love getting to this podcast. It is so much fun and want to be able to continue doing it for a long time to come. But it takes a lot of time and money, and that's where you come in. If you think you'd like to donate, check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash LLTF the podcast, or you can donate via Venmo at LLTF the podcast.